Hello everyone and welcome back to another FPL Surgery podcast. Iceman here. Unfortunately for this podcast, like the fool I am, I ended up recording from the wrong microphone. So there's a lot of distortion on this episode, so apologies for that. I've tried to edit it the best I can. If you can't stand bad audio and you prefer how the audio normally is, then maybe turn off now. It was a great podcast we recorded with James from Planet FPL. Really enjoyed it. So if you can bear the bad audio, I hope you enjoy it too. Battle of North London, Battle of the Podcast, it's the FPL Surgery. Welcome back listeners, coming to you on the 2nd of December, cannot believe I'm saying we've headed into the Christmas period already, coming to you for 152nd instalment, lots to talk about tonight, first of all, welcoming back the Iceman. Thank you very much, Welcome back to yourself, too. Thank you very much. Uh, how was your weekend, Iceman? Was it as, uh, as disappointing as previously, or are we starting to see an upturn in form? It's definitely an upturn. I mean, like, Arsenal's still rubbish, but in terms of form of FPL, it's, it just makes everything a lot better. It makes life just life better in general. Yeah, we've got a little bit of gloating for you to do as we get into the uh, the podcast tonight, but uh, we'll hold fire on that for a second. So I said in the intro, uh, Battle of North London... Battle of the Podcast. This week's guest runs his own podcast, Planet FPL. He is a season ticket holder at Spurs and goes to every game. This should be interesting. Welcome to the podcast, the man from Mr. Nerd's second favourite podcast in the last week, James Linden from Planet FPL Podcast. Welcome. Hello, gents. How you doing? Thanks for having us on. Great to have you on board here. Um, how did it feel when you were approached by two Arsenal fans to come and spend an hour or two talking FPL. Did that? Did, did you doubt your decision for a minute? No, no, no. It's, it's quite normal. Arsenal fans like to talk about Spurs quite a lot. So it's quite normal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, English. <laughs> yeah, actually, they've overtaken us from the table this week as well, haven't they? So, uh, yeah, we're going to have to uh, yeah see how we get on over this podcast. Um, James, I mean, lots of our listeners will know about you already. Tell the listeners where your love from FPL came from, how long you've been playing, and talk a bit about your own podcast. Uh, probably not love of FPL, to be honest. Uh, it was a vision that Suj had to do of uh, the Planet FPL podcast. I'd won the work mini league. He asked me if I wanted to do a podcast. Here we are 300 odd podcasts later, still, still going. I, I think I'm, I'm quite different from most people in the FPL community in terms of I'm obviously passionate about the game, but the biggest thing for me is my football club. Yeah, I love that. The uh, the passion very much in Spurs. Are you, are you a big player yourself? Of FPL? Not just FPL, I'm the game, playing football. Oh, no, I'm overweight and past it, mate. <laughs> um, yeah, I could play in my days. Height always counted against me. I'm a short fella. Um, but yeah, I'd still play five-a-side Thursday nights and that. Yeah, nice to still be getting a kick around. Okay, well, great to have you on board, James. Let's get stuck into the FPL headlines. So here's what we've got. Is Jamie Vardy now an auto-captain? Have we seen enough to invest in Spurs? Got a great guest on to, to help us answer that question. Uh, is Wilfred Zaha the talisman we need for December? We're looking for mount replacements. And how do you rank your starting 11 against your bench options? Interesting stuff. So first of all, let's talk about how we got on in our last game week. Iceman, do you want to go first? Because you've had a bit of an upturn in form. Yes, finally got a good game week to talk about. I mean, over the past four game weeks, my team has just been very discombobulated and I've just had four reds in a row and it feels good finally to get a green. There were elements of luck throughout, I think, as well. I knew that Tammy was injured, so I thought uh, he would be out for at least two games. So 
had the hard choice between bringing in Jimenez or Ings, and I was on Jimenez for a long time. I just thought he was the better pick long term, but I know I'll be wildcarding soon because I still haven't used that yet. Uh, so I took a punt on the cheaper Ings, and knowing that that would enable me to get Pulisic this week or even Ali for Marshall. So I bought in Ings, who scored a nine, albeit quite lucky with his goal. Apparently you can handball if you're an attacker now. I kept hold of VVD as well this whole time, and he's finally rewarded me the two goals. He got that 17 points. But I did have a look. I don't know why. I just thought I'd have a look and see what he averages over the season so far. It's not as bad as I thought. That that, uh, big haul has actually put him on 4.21 points per game for the season. But... For 6.5 million, is that good? I'm, I'm not quite sure. I also captained Aubameyang, which I said I'd do. Uh, a lot of people wanted me to come off of it, but yeah, he got his penalty saved and then it was retaken for the encroachment. That five minutes, just I went through the whole range of emotions that you could go through. And yeah, his stats have regressed since Lacazette, but he just manages to get those big chances every game. And he's a clinical goal scorer, so... I finished on 76 points overall, so it moved me up to 678,756 overall. So there is a happier Iceman on the pod this week. Very, very happy to hear it, Iceman, and well done for not taking my advice and uh, captaining Bobby Young. Okay, James, how about you? How did you get on? I had a nightmare week, if I'm honest with you. Uh, I finished on... 41 for the game week. Just a, a couple of returns, Trent, KDB. I captains Mane rather than Vardy, which we'll obviously talk about a little bit coming up. But okay, I'd, I'd had four green arrows previously. I'd, I'd jumped 100k the week before. I've fallen about 100k, 305k overall. Um, content. I was due a bad week. He was due, yeah. Well, you've only got another night and you can make up for it tomorrow. My game week... Yeah, not too bad. I got two points above the average. I got a 53, the average being 51. That actually bumped me up about um, 50k in places. I'm not quite sure how that happened. Obviously, the top end of FPL didn't do as well uh, this game week. The main one to me was uh, I've kept Mings in. He's been quite good over the recent game weeks. I also kept faith in the uh, the City duo of Sterling and De Bruyne. And uh, Jimenez was my transfer in this game week and he got the assist, which was good. I've got Lewis Dunk sat on my bench with eight points, but to be honest, I'm not really looking back with that one with any great regrets because there's no way I would have fielded a, a defender against Liverpool, but uh, there we go. Yeah, there's no way you could have seen that quick three, free kick he took. That was, that was quite masterful. I, mean, I enjoyed that. Glorious, yeah. Well, my bench is enjoying it. Right, so let's talk about our patrons. No, no new patrons this week, but we just want to thank everybody for continuing to support the podcast, uh, patreon.com forward slash FPL Surgery. Andy Portlock, Vince Poyle and Ron Frost continue to support us at the highest level. So thank you, especially chaps, but in general to all of the people following and supporting us on Patreon. Um, if you want to get involved in our Slack channel, our prize leagues uh, and other chances to win goodies on there, head to the website. You can donate as much or as little as you want to just to keep supporting the pod so we can keep growing and giving more back to you. So thank you. Uh, back to the FPL headlines. So you won't be surprised to hear this one. Um, great question from Jamie Dodd. So uh, uh, off the Twitter, Vardy is on one of those runs, six goals in a row. Uh, his TSB is 45%. Leicester looking fantastic with great fixtures. And other than captaining Aubameyang against Norwich, 
Is there any reason we just shouldn't uh, captain him until at least game week 18? That's a lot of faith in Vardy. But um, yeah, is Jamie Vardy now an auto captain, James? It's beginning to feel that way. Uh, as I said, I went against this week. I, I don't regret the decision. I, I just took a personal view that I, I fancied Marnie's returns against a, a Brighton side that's quite open, who didn't particularly play open. But Marnie had a couple of chances in the first half. Vardy, you can never say Vardy's had a quiet 70 minutes because so many of his goals will come late in games in any case. But we look at the fixtures coming up you're very hard-pressed to, to look against. Uh, I think it's it's fairly obvious looking around Twitter that the majority of people are obviously going to vote him, um, captain him against Watford this coming game week. Two weeks later, the Norwich home game really appeals, in spite of the fact Liverpool play at home to Watford the same day. The weekends of game week 16 is a little bit more difficult with the Villa away game on the Sunday. But the alternative options don't look superb. So it just feels like the sensible thing is just to go with it. Yeah, I'm fully behind that. You know, I mean, I've got a Bamiang this week, and I'm very tempted on doing it again against Brighton. But it's just he's got everything at the moment. He's got a team working behind him, working fluidly together, and it's so cohesive. They've got spirit behind them. They've got a good manager who's making good changes. Everton were on top in the first half in that game, and it completely changes the game in the second half. So it just shows that they've got every cog working in the same way, and Vardy's even getting the stats now before, you know, I would say you can't go Vardy because he's not really got the stats and I'm very much a stats fan, I love it but <laughs> over the last six over the last four, he's still right up there doing really well, he's got the fixtures Watford, Villa and Norwich next, I think I agree this week I'm very tempted to to still do Aubameyang and just to see if I can move up higher places because a lot of people would go and Vardy but I think that is the wrong decision, I base my captaincy on who I think will score the most. And I do actually think Vardy will get the most this week. He even got, I think it was, four shots in the last game. And he probably should have had uh, more than just the one goal. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. can't really argue against it. I, I even fancy him in game week 18 against City, if I'm honest. I don't think with, with Laporte out, that I don't see them as stable back there. If Newcastle, I know granted Shelby's goal was, was cracking, but... Um, yeah, I don't really see a Manchester City centre half that can live with Jamie Vardy's pace and movement at the moment. So I'd even fancy him that game week. Yeah, and he runs at players as well. He makes people yeah. make mistakes, and that's what City are doing at the moment at the back. They, do, they I mean, like they can play people off the pitch, no matter who they're playing. They even at times play Liverpool off the pitch, but they've got that mistake in them. They've got that lapse in concentration at the back, which just the likes of Jamie Vardy can exploit. And yeah. Uh, just yeah. perma cap for the next even yeah four games. So I, I would take that uh, game eighteen. I, I have looked at moving him out for that game because I'm looking ahead. But yeah, you've got a good point there. Maybe keeping him in for that game would be a good decision. Okay, well um, yeah, so I think we're all firmly behind Jamie Vardy. Um, James will be loving this. We're coming on to a Spurs question now. So we've had loads of questions on Tottenham this week. So I'm going to sum up a few. Um, essentially, loads of you asking about Ali and Son. So Marvin uh, and Mad Hatter, Speech Balloon, also from the Slack channel, 
We've got uh, Mr. Fish, Andreel, Mark M. Bison, Infamous FPL, all on Twitter asking about these two. Perlo's pen, I like that. So also talking about Aurea. And Jeb Kulo does ask, Son and Kelly versus Ali and Sionshu. Loads of questions. Essentially, chaps, what I think we need to address here is the issue of Son and Ali for the next six weeks, if they feel like a good replacement for Mount. Um, and is it Son and Ali or Son or Ali? So, James, I'm just going to pass over to you to wax lyrical over these two and tell us what we should do. I, I won't like wax lyrical if, if I'm honest. I, I, no, it's fine. I, I attach it from a, a sensible head perspective. It de- I think it depends very much in terms of where you're at managing-wise. You mentioned the period there of of six weeks. I'd say probably over the six weeks I'd favour Sun. But over the very short term, I would I would possibly favour Ali. And I think for those possibly still holding the wild card, that would possibly be my advice. And the reason I say that is just my experience of the fixtures coming up I don't believe Sun's ever returned against Manchester United. Burnley can be uh, uh, an awkward fixture in terms of of getting in behind. You're likely to unlikely to break them down over the top. Wolves the following week is very similar. They, they, they're very happy to see possession and set off um, set off. And the following week's Chelsea and Ali has an amazing record against Chelsea. So I think in the next four, I would favour Ali. But then the couple of fixtures after that, which are Brighton. Uh, Norwich and Southampton. Once you bring those into the facts, I would probably favour Sun. Yeah, that's great points. I actually think these fixtures are actually quite tricky. I don't think Man United are a walkover, and yeah, but as you mentioned, Burnley and Wolves make it very tough, and Chelsea kind of don't know what will happen there. But what's your thoughts on Ali in terms of where he's playing at the moment and where Son is playing? Well, that's that's the major change. Is is Ali's position is is one of the reasons why Spurs are starting to score goals now. I think it's very commonly we've all had the joke about Kane playing sort of holding midfield and stuff. But if you think back to obviously that amazing sort of sixteen seventeen season and, and Ali playing close to Kane, Ali had twenty nine attacking returns in that season, and a lot of that's playing close to Kane. And and in the majority of those fixtures, other than very late in that season. Sun wasn't necessarily favoured, although did finish that particular season very well. Sun's gone back into more of an orthodox wide position. What's really important to note is the fact that he's generally playing off the left and the supporting left back. We've seen three different games now with Davis, who's now injured, Rose against Olympiakos and then Vertonghen at the weekend where Aurea's going to really push on on the right-hand side and the left full-back's going to tuck in to almost make us a, a back three rather than a back four with the ball. Which means without the ball, Sun's got to do a lot of work defensively. Now, he's a very energetic player. He actually had the joint most tackles in game week 14, believe it or not, which is not common for him. He's obviously, if you look at the the out ball from Alderweireld, those two, it's been highlighted as long balls. It's a ball that Alderweireld's played for the four years or so that he's been at Spurs and Ali's been the main beneficiary of it. I just feel, like I said, in the next few, it might be more Ali, but you can't can't argue with... When you look at Sun's numbers, they're quite scary. So you obviously missed the first two with suspension, blanks the awful game week three performance against Newcastle. Other than that, he started all but one game. The the one game he didn't start, he had a blank coming on against Watford. The only other game he's not got an attacking returning 
was another awful performance, the 3-0 defeat at Brighton. Other than that, he's returned in every game. Four goals and eight assists so far. I, I looked at his positional for the last two game weeks for Ali, and then I took a look at, because he's only been playing since, what, game week nine? Kind of does play around the same area. He hasn't really moved that much, but he is right up there with Kane, right next to him now. And as, as we mentioned, Kane, yeah, kind of playing as a holding midfielder. He doesn't play the furthest forward for Tottenham, does he? You've got someone else who does that job on average. And I had a look over the last two games. I mean, like obviously, in the game against West Ham, he only had the two shots out of Tottenham 15. One of those was in the box. And uh, he had three shots against Bournemouth with two in the box. So maybe he's getting better. But, yeah, he's still not that furthest forward average position in the team. Who do you think was the furthest forward? Because obviously, you watch the games. In the last game, who do you think was the furthest forward average on average in the last game? Uh, Ali and Kane would have been very close. It's actually Suzuka. <laughs> well, what's 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 been happening with Sissoko is because of, like I said, that kind of Aurea pushing up. So it almost becomes Aurea and Son almost as like wing backs in retained possession of the ball. So Sissoko's then coming inside to the wide of the inside of the three. I mean, I don't know. If that will hold, it was Sissoko's first goal in over two years in the league. So that's, that's obviously not an option. I, I think Mourinho would still favour Mora now at the moment. But it, it feels like he's he's just having a look at different people. And let's be honest, the, the first three fixtures were, were quite a kind of run of fixtures. So you could have a look at different options and in different positions. He's, he's obviously had a look at Winks, Ericsson and Dombelli all centrally. Um, but there's a core that he's not changed. Yeah, and uh, Mora was actually, he was uh, the furthest forward against West Ham as well. So do you, I know you said that there's, there's a core there. Do you feel like he's going to change it up a bit more? And I mean, like you make a great point about Aurea. He is the one furthest forward on that wing. And um, what, what did you post on Twitter in terms of the positional play? Do you want to just explain that a little bit further? I know you did briefly, but is it just they change the way they attack? And then- yeah, so essentially without the ball... I don't know if this will happen at United and against Wolves and Chelsea because you're potentially playing a higher quality opposition. But it's a back four without the ball and then with the ball, it moves into more of a 3-5-2. Yeah. Purely on the basis of, and it's really important, obviously Sanchez plays the right side in centre-half, so he's got the pace to cover the area. And essentially the other three defenders are just shuffle along right the two central midfield players are essentially they're just not going to advance and get involved. The one that comes from the right hand position, be it Lucas or Sissoko, obviously has license to go. And Sun does have freedom from the left, but there is a responsibility more say than more say so than Ali essentially for Sun to really work in defensively on the left hand side. We've often commonly seen and we've all joked about it, sort of Rashford ending up at left back under under Mourinho and, and things like that. And there is a fear that obviously in certain games where Spurs have less of the ball, that that may well happen with Sun as well. There will be an expectation on him to get back in. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. That's almost why a lot of people are going Ali instead as well. But you, know, you made a good point about the fixtures. Um, so let's bring it back to, to Kane then. What are your thoughts on him as a whole? I mean, I know we just joked about him playing a whole in the field, but what do you think about him moving forward? I noticed that you have no Spurs players in your team currently. So I feel like we brought you on for the right episode because people are looking at Spurs now. And 
yeah, are you thinking about bringing players in? Is Kane one of those players? I think it's... No, it is between Ali and Son. I think you can you can look at Aurea, and because it's so cheap at 4.9, you can consider. But there's not going to be many clean sheets. There's there's a big problem defensively. We, I think mean, it's obviously been well documented about Roberto at West Ham. Gazaniga's not great. Um, honestly, there'll be other better 4.5 million options within the game. There, there's a nervousness around him. And until either we buy a keeper in January or Loris is fit, don't expect a lot of clean sheets. Mourinho kept two in his last 19 in the league as as United manager. So I, I think we've obviously got this preconception about Mourinho defensively. I think what Mourinho's done to his credit so far is to look at trying to get the best out of what he's got, which is getting Ali in a more advanced position. You can still... Sun playing wide doesn't necessarily make him a negative prospect all of a sudden rather than playing through the middle. I would avoid Aurea, personally. I, I think onto Kane, he's not an option at that price, even still. I, I started the season with him because I took a long-term opinion that Kane and Sterling could rotate me pretty much up to now and beyond because of the rotation of Spurs and City's fixtures. I, I, ironically, I don't have Kane or Sterling now. The, the problem with Kane is you don't feel the confidence that you can captain him in home games. It's it's obviously well documented over a long period as well. He scores just as many goals away from home as he does at home. So you don't feel the confidence in captaining him at the moment. You've got other good options in Ali and Son at far cheaper price. And Son particularly is a captainable option in the right fixture. I agree with that. Just took a look at the stats over the last two for Ali and Son. Ali, three big chances. Son with one big chance. Um, Ali with two, three chances created. Son actually more on seven chances created. Ali, seven shots. Son, five shots. And, uh, you know, some good ranging XG. Ali, a little bit higher for XG on 1.38. And Son on 0.55. So, yeah, good options going forward. But are you bringing any into your team? Not immediately. I was certainly in no rush before the United fixture. The Wolves and Chelsea games are, are difficult beyond the Burnley game, and Burnley's always a, a tough fixture anyway. I think from a Kane perspective, do keep an eye on, uh, although I wouldn't consider him currently, there's three away games, game weeks 20, 21 and 23, Norwich, Southampton and Watford. And in an odd roundabouts way, that's the time for him. Because of the rotation of the fixtures, what you know he's going to play. So there's certainly a safety net, probably to look at him pre-Brighton at home game week 19. But I think because of a timing issue, I'm probably more likely to end up with Sun. I'm not in a rush to get on Spurs at the moment, personally. Okay, interesting uh, discussion about Spurs there, chaps. Um, so a man that's been linked with them and Arsenal, actually, Wilfred Zaha. Is he the talisman we need for December? Ben S from uh, the Slack channel was asked what Palace assets look good for the next seven and uh, mentioning Pope de Gita and also the FPL governor. So is uh, Zaha a safe bet for Palace's good fixture run or is he too inconsistent? What, what's your FPL relationship been like with uh, Zaha, James? <laughs> it's been a difficult one because I've shouted this run of fixtures up for Palace probably since the start of the season. And I always had it in mind to, to buy Zaha pre-Burnley. And Abraham's injury meant that I went down a, a different route with Jesus. But he's, he's in. I've, I've got him in for game week 15. Ooh, 
made that move already. Yes, yeah, done. Um, uh, for Mount, I, uh, to be honest, I didn't really want to let Mason Mount go. Fear there's obviously rotation coming ahead. One of the things for Chelsea is they've got awkward fixtures in the sense around the Christmas period. They've got like Southampton at home in between Arsenal away and Tottenham away. And that's likely to be the one where you see the rotation. So at the moment with the way, even if you factor in the opposite sides of that, the Arsenal and the Tottenham game and consider how they've set up without Mount away to Man City and Valencia, there's every chance Mount's not featuring in those fixtures. So he hasn't returned since the Southampton fixture. So I felt it was it was time to, to move on. And I think there's so many making that Mount to Zaha move at the moment. The thing is, and, and I've said this on our podcast about Zaha, I think you've got to go in and you've got to stay with it now till sort of New Year's, no matter what, because he is going to have blanks in that period. There's absolutely no doubt about it. I I would take a, an opinion from the next seven that I would like 40 or so points off him. There, there, there will be blanks. Don't get frustrated if, if you go in and Bournemouth and Watford are, are blanks because then you've still got five amazing fixtures after that. You might argue game week 22, Arsenal's at home. I don't know if you boys would throw that in as, as a fixture or not. Well, there you go. Absolutely, yeah. And then even still, if you look further ahead with Zaha, yeah, it's City away in game week 23. And then it's a great run up to Liverpool away in game week 31. So Palace are really sustainable for a longer term period. And, and there are assets beyond Zaha you can look at as well. And yeah, he's not expensive. Yeah, 6.6 is a good price for someone who's playing more or less up front. The problem is he's playing for Palace. And, yeah, he only just got his first goal, what was it, last week? He was top for shots last week with five. Yeah. Liverpool midfielders uh, last weekend. Yeah, got good fixtures, as you mentioned. Yeah, against teams outside of the top six last season, he actually scored six goals and seven assists from 18 starts, which, again, pretty good. But, yeah, the stats aren't really supporting them as much. I mean, I, I looked into it, I was thinking... God, there's got to be some underlying stats there somewhere. Obviously, he's playing quite well. He played well against Liverpool and he obviously got the goal in the last game, but he only got the goal from the one shot. Uh, I think Palace only got seven shots on goal. Um, last two game weeks, he's actually 36th for midfielders for XGI. Over the last four, he's 19th for attempts on goal, joint with midfielders like Ali, Perez and, and Grealish, uh, and St. Maximum, actually. He also has only had one big chance over the last four, whereas the likes of Pulisic is on five, Ali and Mane on four each. So there are stats like that which makes you think, well, is he going to get anything? Like you say, he is going to blank at some point during these games. Kind of one I wouldn't rely on, though. I wouldn't say that he's definitely going to get you points, but I would say that he, he is a good punt going forward. He, well, you'd say he's not really a good punt. You know he's going to play all these games. He's played every game this season so far, uh, even through the, the miserable stage where he, he wanted to move. So, yeah, uh, I would say he's a good one to go for if you're able to get there. You know, a, a straight switch from Mount Zaha is very doable for me. I think just to add on to that, I mean, you're quite right what you're saying in terms of looking at the numbers. My opinion on that is don't. Palace have had... No, no, no. Seriously, Palace have had the hardest run of any club in the first 14 game weeks. That's why they've ended up in this position. If you look at the last six, City at home, Arsenal away, Leicester at home, Chelsea away, Liverpool at home, Burnley away, what do you necessarily expect from him? So to compare him 
against others over the last four or the last six necessarily. It's not a fair assessment. You're comparing him against much harder fixtures. And obviously, it's well documented that the preseason was tough for him. Probably wasn't mentally in the right stage um, or the right place in the first eight game weeks or so. If Palace are going to have a good month, which they're very capable of doing because they're a very good side defensively as well, he's clearly the talisman there. So it doesn't mean it will come off. Palace could have a bad month. But if they do have a good month, he will be instrumental in it. Yeah, I agree with that. And just looking back at the fixtures now, if you look at the fixtures, you would expect him to at least get some points in. Uh, against Villa at home, you start the season, so they may have been a bit miserable. They won 1-0. Uh, Norwich, he got the assist, they won 2-0. Uh, you know, the likes of Burnley, so he got the goal. So not really any other fixtures, maybe other than West Ham away, you expect something there, but not really any fixtures from the start of the season which you truly expect him to score in. So, yeah, I do agree. They've had a really, really tough start, Alice. OK, well, I mean, the, we've mentioned Mount there as um, being replaced by Zaha. I mean, a few people have got questions here on, on Mason Mount. So uh, Scott Young has put Mount replacements in general. Um, FPL Vader, just general thoughts on £7 million midfielders. So we can add uh, Walprouse and Grealish and Triore to that list. Uh, Torfig has asked, hi, guys, who's transfer Mount into Mori for Ali and Basham or Ali and... Gilbert. So, yeah, so Mount replacements. Iceman, do you want to go first on this one? Yeah, I mean, I've definitely looked at it as well. Obviously, he's only got the assist within the last six, I think it is. So, not doing great in terms of that. Still producing quite good stats still. Like, you know, he got the three shots in the last game, but there's someone which is really fluttering their eyelashes at me at the moment, and I honestly can't resist. And it's Pulisic. He is absolutely hammering it for stats at the moment. And he's starting to fulfil the promise he gave at the start of the season, well, before the season started. Uh, so last five, he's top for shots, shots in the box, uh, XG, uh, expected goals from midfielders uh, over the last four as well. Um, I mean, I know he had a slow start. He obviously didn't play to start with as much because Lampard was managing his time. But I saw a great article from uh, Statsbomb just saying that yeah, he's becoming one of the most dangerous forwards in the Premier League. And what makes him so good, they tell me that the positions that he gets in the central areas and his main rival, Hudson Odoi, likes to take players on out on the wing, whereas yeah, he moves in between the lines and gets into the box far more often. So once yeah, he gets into the box, he's got quick feet and he's got a sense of anticipation that enables him to unleash a series of high-quality shots. So this was all from the uh, the article with Theodore Hallstad Hotel. And it just says here he's the sixth highest open play XG per 90, but only the winger uh, Sterling is ahead of him. But he's ahead of Salah, Mane, Vardy, Aubameyang, Son. So it just shows he's got the stats behind him. And he's not that much more. So if you can stretch, I think the perfect replacement for man is just a move in that almost sideways move, which people say. I don't think it's a sideways move at all. I think it's an upgrade on what's there. I think you want the best player for each position. And Mount's not doing it at the moment. He might get something against Villa. You can't say that he's definitely not going to. But if you're able to move up to Pulisic. Also, I heard that Lampard said that he might be playing up front at times as well, if Tammy Abraham 
is out for long. So I reckon that the Pulisic move would be the best move you can make if you're moving out. What are your thoughts, James? That was Zaha. <laughs> I've obviously done it. Um, I'm, I'm not so keen on that. I, I know what you're saying about moving up front. It's clear Lampard's got no faith in uh, Batshuayi, who underwhelmed when he came on in Valencia, and then uh, Drew underwhelmed against West Ham at the weekend. Gone. I think Abraham's injury is obviously not too serious. We don't know at this stage whether he'll play against Villa or not. But I think it's probably fair to say that he'll be back for the game week 16 fixture at Goodison. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm really not sure. Well, that's that's one fear. It's 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 the timing. I mentioned those two. I mean, Spurs and Arsenal have both obviously given up a lot of shots so far this season. But by the time we get there, obviously Spurs have, have got a new manager. Arsenal may also have a new manager. So it's a, an unknown situation. I, I've ended up in a position where, remarkably, despite being incredibly impressed with Chelsea this season, that I've removed the two Chelsea assets. I had Abraham and Mount in the last two game weeks. I'd be more inclined to go back to Abraham, I think. Pudisic, I'm, I'm taking a watching brief at the moment. I know what you're saying about the numbers, but I'm I'm, I'm taking a watching brief personally. Yeah, I'm keeping my faith in Pulisic at the moment. I just, I like him on the counter-attack for Chelsea. I like what he's doing, so I'm going to stick with him for now. But yeah, Zaha is uh, starting to take a fancy to him. Um, okay, final headline. How do you rank your starting 11 against your bench op- options? So Jonathan on the Slack channel was asked, as our benches are getting stronger in preparation for the festive period, uh, is a BB possibility in a single game week or is it best to save it for a double game week? Is there data support using your entire funds for 15 double game week players versus possibly 11 double game week players and a weaker bench? Later on, so uh, James, how do you like to how do you like to plan for this? Are you someone that's trying to stock up your bench for the Christmas period, or are you sticking with eleven top players? Yeah, I'm in a position where I've still got wild cards, so I can work around that. I might even use it on game week 18 and, and make sure I've got the Liverpool assets I want sub to make sure I've got the right team for the weekend. I, I personally, I, I couldn't be considering a, a bench boost at, at the moment. I, I know personally, I'll be using it in game week thirty-seven. Yeah, nice man. Yeah, with the bench boost, you, I mean, like if you've got all the players which you do think have got good fixtures, it is very tempting. You can totally understand why people are thinking about it, but I just think that you're always going to have less riskier, and you can spread it more with two games to play and. We've said this a number of times in this podcast. You just need to go for the bigger odds is what the words are. I think the best words to use there. Uh, and I, I suppose the, going back to the, the headline is kind of what I wanted to get out of this one, which is um, why I chose it, is how do you rank your starting 11? I mean, I mean, I'm just looking at how I've got mine set up this game week. And you've got the choices because a lot of people got Lundstrom and they've got Rico and Sionyu and uh, Robertson and you know, Trent, etc. So they, they've got a good back four and then they want to start all of their attacking assets. So how do you do it in terms of how do you start your defensive assets? So are you, if you're expecting a clean sheet for Leicester at home against Watford, do you play on you or do you go for Lundstrom that you know he's going to get attacking? Well, you know, it's like more likely of getting attacking returns and potentially a clean sheet as well at home against Newcastle. James, how do you rank your first eleven? 
this week's particularly difficult because if we assume that United and Spurs currently don't have a huge amount of coverage, obviously with Chelsea home to Villa, you've got Liverpool home to Everton, you've got Leicester home to Watford. There's obviously mass coverage there. Once you throw in sort of Arsenal home to Brighton, if you've like James, you've got Aubameyang, and then the Sheffield United fixture, suddenly you could very easily be in a position and you add in the likes of Zaha, City away at Burnley, you could very easily be in a position where you're looking at how who am I leaving on my bench this week? I, somebody sent me a team last night and I was like, I can't advise you on that. It's ridiculous. So, they, I mean, honestly, they had 14, uh, 13 players that absolutely they should be starting. And from that perspective, I can I can understand where you would go, okay, yeah, this might actually be the, the week to bench boost, but it's also midweek as well. So there is going to be some unexpected rotation somewhere that we're not expecting. Personally, uh, having seen John Lundstrom at Spurs a couple of weeks ago, I can't leave him out right now of, of any game and in the position that he's playing. And irrespective of fixture currently, and at least until they walk into sort of that Liverpool fixture in January, he has to play. Um, it's just the returns and the gain on if he returns are so massive. I, for example, at the moment, have got a call on probably IU and Cantwell this week. And I don't include Mendy in that conversation because I think City will probably leave Mendy out at Burnley. So currently I've got Mendy as sitting as second sub. And I've got a call to make over Cantwell, who I've been trying to get rid of forever, but now don't want to, uh, away to Southampton or Jordan Ayew to go with Zaha at home to Bournemouth. I, I think I'll go with Zaha. Um, Ayew, sorry. Yeah, I noticed you had Ayu in your team. When when have you had him since? Is that just like a, a bench fodder? Yeah, it's 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 planning towards game week eighteen. I actually brought him in for Pookie on not the Saturday gone, but the Saturday night previously gone to avoid the Pookie uh, fall in price. I knew I was going to that value, and I had to make a call between Ayu and Musa. I've probably made the wrong call, if I'm honest. Um, and it also did cover me if I wasn't going to go to Zaha, which I've now decided I, I had to do in any case. So I'm, I'm okay with that and going with IU. I, I would still probably, I'm very much looking towards a 4-4-2, I would say. I, but I'd go IU this week because I really don't think Mendy will start at Burnley. Yeah, so you've played the likes of Chilwell over the likes of IU. So the fact that they are an attacker doesn't really change your thoughts on whether to start. No. Well, I, I mean, take me, I've had Robertson and Alexander-Arnold since the start. I, I hear a lot of people all the time saying oh, it's becoming frustrating. I look at, I'm, I've just changed my mindset and go, I'll take the defensive returns as, as the bonus. And the fact I've got the two of them means there's no frustration. Yeah. They, they'll have, um, uh, they'll have, they'll end up the season with an amazing, they'll, they'll absolutely prove value for money, in my opinion, at, at their price point. So uh, the only reason I would sell either of them two is based on, on injury. Because although we keep trying to say, yeah, the clean sheets will come, forget the clean sheets. These guys are playing like wingers. So the, the, the two of them aren't going anywhere and having them both saves the pain. Yeah, I, because it just, it just swaps every week. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, I mean, like Robertson, a few weeks, and then Alexander-Arnold is going to probably go off on a, on a bit of a run now. Saw Stout Robertson first for touchdowns in the box for the defenders last week as well. And his goal involvement, Delta XGI, 
actually 2.7 this season, whereas Trent is actually only on 2.19. So that was actually interesting. But yeah, if you have them, you've just got to play them both, and then they're, they're more or less playing like midfielders. They're their most creative players, I think. So yeah, I agree with that. What else I was trying to diagnose from this uh, particular headline as well is do you base it on fixtures playing at home as well or do you base it on away fixtures or is it mainly based on form how do you do it per fixture on who you start like yeah. so you so, so and Lundstrom now just say it wasn't Lundstrom he doesn't get attacking with that yeah and it was like O'Connell or something, or how would you play it there? Well, I think one that a lot of people have got this week is Siunku and Tomori, for example. Particularly at those sort of values, it's very easy to have both. I mean, I would go Siunku just because I've just got more trust. The pair of them are very unlikely to give you attacking returns. You can have far more faith in Leicester defensively. I think Chelsea are still poor defensively. So, I mean, in that circumstance, you'd go Leicester. Yeah. I mean, with, with the fixtures, uh, obviously, I think if it was the other way around, Chelsea against Watford, Leicester against Villa, I'd probably still go with that decision, Siunku. I think that's probably my point. Yeah. Okay, yeah, nice headline. I spent a nice bit of um, there's a, there's a, there's a undertone there, wasn't there, you were trying to get to. Um, well, we started mentioning about Liverpool there. Uh, Liverpool defensively got a couple of questions. So Marvin... On the uh, on the Slack has asked, are the gods making sure Liverpool never get another clean sheet? And uh, Mad Hatter in the voice of Alexa is asking, Allison being out makes double or triple Liverpool seem more dangerous, right? Um, FPL Chancer on Twitter, question for James: Has your fantasy management changed in any way as a direct result of being on a podcast? So that's not a Liverpool question. We'll come back to that. So. Liverpool defensive questions, yeah. I mean, Virgil van Dijk, another two goals at the weekend. What a leader that man is. The fullbacks still seem to uh, return moving forward. So, James, I'm wondering, can we can we just ignore the fact that whether they've got a shit keeper or not, they're still going to keep <laughs> returning for us and justify their price? Yeah, I mean, Everton, although they performed well at Leicester at the weekend, uh, generally you never know what they're going to get from them away from home. So... It's easy to say again, but you, you do, you look at the next few fixtures, Evan at home, Bournemouth away, Watford at home. I look at it now and I think, it's three clean sheets on the board. God, it's uh, sure. Honestly, you, know, you do, you can't help it. Um, I, I think that, that it, it's concentration for them. A lot of a lot of the goals they've conceded have been late on, or it's 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 little bits of, of sloppiness. So that I don't think, obviously, Lovren playing rather than Massive at the moment is particularly helping. The goalkeeper situation was was obviously a massive blow, but then the returns haven't particularly improved since then. Uh, as I said, I, I've got no doubt on Robertson and, and Trent. I, I just can't see moving off them for, for any reason. I'm so happy to have that money invested them, even even at the price. I've got no issue with it. I, I, if you take Trent, the chances he, he creates are astonishing. I mean, what's he behind De Bruyne so far on, on chances created? And I think we're seeing more from Robertson so far this season in terms of his advancement up the pitch. Um, they're astonishingly brilliant fullbacks. But I, I think Van Dijk is, is probably a more difficult one. You probably have to be a bit more patient on that. But they'll, 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 but they'll keep, you know, Van Dijk aerially, if the delivery is good enough from a corner, it, it, it'll score. It's, it's been on the cards for a while. It's just a bit rare, isn't it? You can't want it a bit more. But it's 
it is those clean sheets. You just painstaking looking at every week, especially but how they can see. Change, change, change your mentality. Do what I've done and go. I'll take the clean sheet as the bonus. Yeah. Because yeah. the the guys the guys' returns are, are so good. What's what's Trent on so far? Uh, one goal, six assists. Yeah, so obviously still really high up there. And if, on my wild card, I think that that's the move I'll be I'll be taking. In, in fact, I might just you know have one in the end. But yeah, it's it's that. But which one? Yeah, I feel that's difficult. I just love the way that Trent plays as a player. I think I really like him more than Robertson. I've got Robertson just because I, I went for that safety aspect, knowing that he's probably going to play all the games, which you know he has. So I. Uh, I think I would switch to, to Trent. There's just a higher probability of um, returns there, even though Robertson is matching him so far this season. <clears throat> it could go on to go back and forth, like you say, and, and go between the two. But yeah, I think I would still edge for Trent. But is, um, the, the clean sheets are getting painful. <laughs> I still think I don't have a Liverpool defender at the moment because I've invested my money elsewhere. But I still think... You know, I, I keep hold of your TAAs and your Virgils of this world, definitely, if they were still my side. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep saying the same thing all season. The clean sheets will come. <laughs> They're due. The clean sheets are due. OK, so let's get to that question specifically for you, James. So FPL Chancer Dan on uh, Twitter. Um, has your fantasy management changed in any way as a direct result of being on a podcast? I think it can sometimes. Uh, we, we do on a, a pod on a, a Friday morning and we, we kind of preview our, our moves for the weekend ahead. And then the team news comes out and you think, oh, sugar, I've, I've said that on the pod. But quite often I'll, I'll just go different. Like anybody who listened to us Friday would have known I was going to Zahar. So the amount of messages I had on Saturday night going, well done, James. Oh, I didn't get him. Um, and I, I, I had that. <laughs> well, no, just once, once Abraham was, once Abraham was ruled out, I took a view that, I, I could get straight to Jesus in one move and with wild cards still in hand, I think the circumstance was okay for me to make that move. And that seems like a more sensible move than firing Zaha. Once I'd broken it down, it seemed a more sensible move than firing Zaha in a way to earn it. In hindsight, it was the wrong move. But then I, I've got Jesus in for three, three games with the potential of wildcarding maybe on Saturday night. And I'll judge Jesus once we get to the end of the Man United fixture, I think. So I think to probably to answer your question, you, yeah, you, you feel a little bit of pressure, but I'm I'm very single minded in my decision making. How about, how about you, Iceman? Have you changed your style because of this? No, not at all. I tend to just be really honest in my thinking, and I do exactly what I want to do. Uh, uh, I can't say that I don't let others influence me or anything, but. Doing the podcast, I don't think it changes. I prefer being completely honest with uh, how I'm thinking, and then that helps me with my team. I don't have to hide anything. You know, back in the day when we were uh, just in our little mini league between ourselves, Billy, and we used yeah. to mind games all the time. I don't think I was very good at that at the time, and it almost, yeah. wanted, it almost forced me to make the wrong moves. And now I'm just completely honest, with you. and I feel like I make most of them. I'd have to, have to agree with you. For the most part, you've had a very good uh, past couple of seasons, haven't you? So, yeah, the podcast will change all of us. Um, Scouse Mouse has asked on Twitter, what's your advice on using your free hit? 
Uh, well, I personally am waiting for the uh, the double game weeks to start to form over the second part of the season. What's your position on the free hit, James? Uh, absolutely certain that'll be his knit in game week 31 at the moment. Mm. The blanks and doubles are a little bit different this year in the sense that what would be the blank game week 34 for the FA Cup semi-finals the following midweek this year is completely available. So you'll probably get a mixed bag of a couple of blanks, a couple of doubles, a couple of singles, which means game week 37 is probably likely to be the, the bigger physical double game week this year and, and just leaves the coverage for, for blank for game week 31, which is the FA Cup quarterfinals. I saw... Um, your guy was third in the world, played his free hit last week. How did he? Yeah, got 30 points. <laughs> exactly. I almost feel like it's wasted in these single game weeks and you need to prepare for what the blank game weeks are and for those double game weeks. Last year, I think I used it in the double game week. I think the year before, I used it in the uh, blank game week. So I do think it comes in handy for those game weeks. I know some people didn't and then they didn't have it for those blanking doubles and really did hinder their, you know, the way they how flexible they could be. So, yeah, it's always going to be double and uh, blank game for me. Yeah, th- th- this week's a little bit easier in terms of strategy. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's strategy-wise. Well, it's what Ben Krellin's advised. That's the strategy-wise what the majority of people will take this year. And game week 34 is going to be a little bit of unknown, probably even when that, that game week 31 happens in terms of the layout of the fixtures. Because again, it's just before the international break. So you probably won't even know what fixtures are going into 34. So rather than planning to the blank this year, it probably is going to be better to go towards the doubles. That's There's going to be so much more of a majority will take that route this year, I think. Yeah, there's a lot of um, Champions League and uh, Europa League to get in the way as well. I'm sure that's going to be... So there's, there's quite a few uh, variables which can change throughout the season, so... It's a lot of uh, just playing safer is uh, hanging on to it. Is the key. What's interesting to add on that in terms of trying to get your best out of your bench boost, it probably does mean wildcarding in game week 36, which I know a lot of people are against because it's so far it's what I did ahead after. down the line. Yeah, yeah it's, it, it's so far away and it's one of the reasons why I've I've never been in a position where I've felt desperate to use my wildcard this year, but it's one of the reasons I've I've been really keen to hold it as late as possible, the first one this year. Interesting stuff, boys. Quite key, the, uh, the chips this year, it seems. We've got a few more just general questions, so we'll get through these and on to the uh, standard items. Uh, Moussa, so um, very much a player just a couple of years ago that was sort of fifth choice at Bournemouth and, uh, and a silver card that I traded quite routinely on FIFA for big profits. Um, suddenly has uh, made a name for himself at uh, Sheffield United. So Mad Hatter, again, on fire with the questions tonight, uh, Mad Hatter. Uh, is Moussa good to go? And uh, an NT abroad has said Moussa or Ings, and they've done a comparison of their form of late. Yeah, so I know you were thinking about getting Moussa, but you went with Ayu instead, James. Well, what are your thoughts on him at the moment for those who maybe are looking to switch around their strike force and free up some funds? My thoughts, honestly, I wish I'd gone with Moussa. Um, second highest scorer in the game over the last six game weeks, and that's from five starts as well. He's had he's had games where he's only had May United game, and there was another game we'd only played sixty plus minutes. He had a sub appearance in another one. Um, it, the, the guys up at Sheffield United that I know they absolutely love him. It is remarkable to see 
transformation from this player who used to come on at Bournemouth and he was just completely ineffectual whenever you saw him. He is is the man up there at the moment. And at that price, they're so underrated, Sheffield United. They're such a good side. Absolutely convinced that as long as they stay injury free, they'll finish top half. And you've got five point one million striker from from a side in in that range of five point five percent ownership. Is there's nothing not to like. I, I personally I can see every reason why I would end up with Musa and Ayu and then be able to fire in De Bruyne, Mane, Son and get them all in together. Yeah, you look at Musa just based on stats as well, he's the highest for Delta XG over the last two. Obviously he's got the two goals. He just seems to be flying at the moment. I noticed as well he's got five goals in his 11 appearances at Sheffield United and I think he only got three for Bournemouth. Sounds about right. Yeah, I think it was only three. So it seems to be in a good team which fits to his assets and obviously you saw the goal that he scored. Brilliant first touch. He's it's got that nous now, I think. I mean, obviously, he's got that confidence behind him. So, yeah, definitely a 5.1 uh, bargain. They're, they're playing into his strengths as well in terms of he likes to work the channel. He's got a good relationship with McGoldrick, who plays through his strengths as well. You've got the support of runners in Fleck and Lundstrom. Honestly, they're such a good side. It give you a stat you'll like. If you actually break down the points per 90 minutes over the last six, Jamie Vardy, 10.7 per 90. Moussa, 10.2. Nice. Yeah, he's, he's good as a dab. Basically the Okay, um, Stephen on uh, on Slack has asked name the three best defenders five million and below right now. Well, I'll, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to give you two answers from myself, and I'll open it up to the panel. Um, <clears throat> literally speaking, from a points perspective, it's Lundstrom, Tionchu, and uh, Dunkel Baldock in terms of players five million and under in the back scoring the highest. From a personal perspective, I was picking three: Lundstrom definitely, he's a midfielder. Tionchu. Looks fantastic for Leicester. I'm actually going to go further down the list. Now, I know our guest um, wasn't a fan of this earlier, but I, I actually am a big fan of Serge Aurier. I think it's no coincidence that Mourinho's uh, played him for the full 90 in the last couple of games where he's been taken off before. Some goals, some assists since Mourinho's come in. I think he's going to play consistently and I like his run of fixtures. So I'm going to be out there with Aurier as my third pick for a Five million and under defender. What about you, James? Where do you stand on this? Are you arguing with the Spurs season ticket on For his player, yes, absolutely. You, I, I, I have been a fan of Serge Aurier since he was at PSG, so I will continue to pick him up. I, there's a lot of Spurs fans would sell you Serge Aurier if, if we were honest <laughs> about this, lads. No, no, Callum Chambers, I, okay. <laughs> Bellerin might be a different conversation when he's yeah. fit. Um, no, no, look, you can you can look at Aurea. What you've got to accept if you go with Aurea, in my opinion, there is not going to be many immediate clean sheets. You have to accept it. But positionally, it's a sign that the, the price is a, a low risk. I get that. I would personally, it's another Palace player, I know his ownership's really high, is uh, Martin Kelly at 4.1. I think he's one for, again, those who may still have the wild card because um, then you can get away if you need to. Uh, another one I'd like to mention uh, is the, both fullbacks at Villa are interesting. We've got a difficult come, run of fixtures, but when we look at game week 18 and obviously the Liverpool blank, I think we're all going to like to have a look at Villa at home to Southampton. Not just because of that fixture, but follows that is Norwich at home and Watford away. So that will cover you for some rotation problems Christmas as well. 
I actually prefer Target over Gilbert, personally. Yeah, I think I do. I just don't really trust that Villa defence for two years. That's a problem. If you take someone like me, who possibly needs free playing defenders for that period to cover over Robertson and Alexander-Arnold, if I'm not going to use it, then then, then Villa are a good team to attack into. Yeah. On that game week. On that game week. Like, if you're going for a game week, then yeah, maybe. Um, and I think Jack Grealish is worth attacking that week as oh, well. Jack Grealish, definitely. He looks yeah. like a quality player. Like, you see He'll play for England one day. Oh, eventually, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, um, just going back to Stefan's question, I do think that um, uh, Baldock for Sheffield United is a shout as well. He gets forward quite a bit and obviously he got, I think it was uh, the assist in the last one. Yeah, he got the assist in the last one. He has scored this season so far as well and he does get right up the pitch often as well. So it's, he is one which I, I did look at as like a, a cheaper option. I mean, he, I mean like he more or less plays in midfield at that right wing back uh, position. So He he gets um, very... He gets more advanced positionally than Stevens on the other side because O'Connor is the better overlapper than Basham on the other side for Sheffield United. But just a caution on Bulldog, he is on four yellows. Yeah, a bit like Gilbert. I think he got his uh, Gilbert. Sorry, he got his uh, yellow in the last game. It, there's a there's a few. You know, they're all going to get booked in game week seventeen when we need them for eighteen. John John Lundstrom's on four, isn't he? Yeah, I think Sterling as well. There's a few. Uh, in, in fact, I urge the um, listeners to go to probably the best places to go to Fantasy Football Scout and check out the suspensions. And- okay. Um, Actually, whilst we're just on the topic of the three best defenders, five in and below, it's just been announced that uh, Virgil van Dijk is second in the Ballon d'Or this year behind Lionel Messi, which I'm outraged by because uh, I believe Virgil should have won it. He's not below five mil in it. No, he's not, but it was from the topic of defenders. But, uh, yeah, anyway, a little aside there. Um, okay, Lamanda Ngozi Adichie has asked, I'm playing my wild card. Who are the must-haves in each department? Goalie, defence and forwards. Iceman, do you want to have a run at this one? I think the must-have, if you're going for a forward, has got to be Jamie Vardy, midfield. I wouldn't say there is anyone there which is a definite must-have. I suppose you could go Kevin De Bruyne cause, just because he's the most consistent. He's not in my team at the moment. Right. And then it would be Trent at the back in goal. Again, not really a must-have. I can't really call anyone must-haves. Yeah, but at the moment, I would say it's Trent and Vardy are the only two which are definite must-haves. Interesting. James? Yeah, I think Vardy over the next three weeks is, is something beyond essential, isn't it? When you consider the, the captain effective ownership. And I would say Mane. Uh, from midfield, uh, defensively, I still believe toss a coin between Robbo and Trent. And I, I, I think Gator's a good shot in goal at the moment. Yeah, I agree with that. Good fixes, potential for clean sheets, but just not a must-have, if you know what I mean. No, no, I mean, no keepers a must-have. Yeah, I generally agree with you chaps there. Um, and with that, that brings us to the end of our questions, and it's time for the Iceman's break. Thank you very much. Absolutely dying. Oh, right, be right back.
Right, welcome back, Iceman. Let's crack on with some uh, with some chat about our partners. First of all, Mikhail Tokvam's algorithm. Let's see what was suggested last week. So Sterling for Pulisic, Orba for Ings, Orba for Rashford, and Mount to JWP. Um, but it really suggested the Iceman saved a transfer. The Iceman did do Tammy to Ings, which worked out nicely. Well done, Iceman. Good, good on the strikers last week. This week he's saying uh, Mount to Pulisic, Madison or JWP. Do you fancy any of that? I'm making the top move out of that. Oh, nice. You go Mount to Pulisic, sideways step. We're uh, going to have a matching team in a minute. Okay, well, if you want to uh, take the thinking out of your decision-making or at least assist it, go to pa- patreon.com forward slash transfer algorithm. Take advantage of Mikhail Togman's mastermind. Uh, we're also partnered with the Fancy Football Hub, so go to fancyfootballhub.co.uk. For 10% off, enter the code SURGERY10 for all things FPL. Cracking website, that one. And we're also partnered with FPL Doodles. We did a fantastic uh, drawing of Mourinho. Taking more over. comments last week of that doodle than we did on the pod. It was extreme. It was brilliant. Go it, back and take a look at it on our Twitter at FPL. It, it was brilliant. It was bizarre, but it was brilliant. It was awesome. <laughs> brilliant. Okay, well, let's uh, on to our next feature trapped in. So, transfers and captains. Um, let's think about what we're going to do in this game week. I'm going to go first for a change. Uh, Skipper's going to be Vardy. Simples this week. Transfer, I'm actually going to roll one, given the midweek fixtures. So, yeah, very boring for me. Uh, James? Yeah, uh, Vardy captain, I think it has to be. I've, I've already gone Mount to Zaha. Nice. Okay, and nice, man. Yeah, so my move will be Mount to Pulisic. Just waiting on, I think I can wait tonight um, and neither of them go up or down. So I'll just have a listen to the presses tomorrow just to make sure. And I'm still very, very tempted by Aubameyang captain. I know it's probably not the best move and I should just do Vardy, but there's something inside of me just saying, yeah, just go for it. Just looking at the um, shots which they've allowed in the last six game weeks, Bryson's actually allowed 96 shots in the last six games. And Watford only allowed 80, so not that many less, but... If you look at the uh, the big chances that they've conceded, Brighton conceded 20 big chances and Watford have conceded 13. So there's a little difference there. I still think that a manager with Watford and Vardy in form is probably the best option. So I think I'll be on that. I've not fully decided. I'll probably decide last minute, but we'll see. Very nice, Iceman. So let's get over to our Patreon league. And we have the winner of November, which is Matt Phillips. Send us your address, Matt, so we can send you some merch for winning. So the uh, the final standings in third was Andreas Toft. Second was Emma FPL, painstakingly behind by 13 points to Matt. Uh, Emma with a, with a final charge in the last game week. So great stuff. But uh, Matt emerges victorious. I've also got Andreas Toft in our FPL Surgery Cup, which we started last week, thanks to the hitman of our Slack channel. If you want to get involved in such things like that, it's patreon.com forward slash FPL Surgery. Interesting. You went through as well, Billy, so well done. Uh, I'm not sure. Delighted with that. Very, very happy to to, uh, get through in the cup. And uh, in terms of our public mini leagues, or massive league as it were, code to join is CCCJK2. 
And the top 10, here we go for another roller coaster. William McCauley, 10th place. In 9th is Alex Nielsen. 8th place, Mike Butcher. 7th is Luke Burgess. And in 6th place, Prabigia Kafi. 5th uh, place is Christina Hogseth. 4th uh, place is Halstein Yestevo. 3rd place, Rui Dolivera. 2nd place, Theodore Ikbaka. And 1st is still Kevin Allen holding on at the top impressively. Um, increasing their lead a little bit over Theodore in the last game week with a score of 66. Good work. He also made the same move as me and brought in Ings this week. And he moved out De Bruyne and brought in Sterling. Interesting. Very interested by that one. Tell us tell us about your moves, Kev. Right, so just to squeeze every drop of knowledge out of our guests, we come to our feature where we ask for our guests' top three picks for this week and top three differentials. So, James, your top three picks for this game week, your must-haves. Well, I'll go with my free premiums. Uh, Vardy is, is obvious. Uh, I, I still strongly favour Sadio Mane over Mo Salah. I think uh, Everton did quite well at Leicester at the weekend, but uh, I think the bigger the game, the more you tend to get out of Sadio Mane. And I know there's been a lot reported about De Bruyne being tired. I saw a desperate Kevin De Bruyne at Saturday, more motivated than I think any other player in that squad at the moment. I think he's desperate to make up for the fact that he missed out so much last year. Burnley as well, missing Charlie Taylor potentially this week is a blow because at left-back he's a more solid option than Eric Peters. So I would throw KDB into the mix, but I don't think you can look beyond Vardy as captain, as we've said. KDB, just to mention that if we haven't, that wallop of a goal he scored, Tony Yeboah-esque, but better. What's a goal? And uh, your three differentials? I I think we've mentioned all of them. I I went for Jesus last week, and one uh, one of the reasons I went for him, it's only 3% owned. It's gone up to 9.6 now. Uh, With City, you don't need to be too scared about the fixtures. I think Jesus particularly is an option for those with still the wild card. His attacking return since he joined City is one every 84 minutes. As I said, I'll, I'll, I'll judge if it was a good transfer after the United game. Uh, Danny Ings um, is, is, I think he's, as well as Zaha, he's the other one who in the short term, with a good fixture at home to Norwich in midweek, he's the one who's really standing out as talismanic for Southampton at the moment. He gets an awful lot of their returns. He also, when he scores, is, is regularly in the bonus as well, even if they're They've lost games. I think they lost 2-1 at Spurs, and I'm pretty sure he, he was either, he got two or three bonus points regularly in the bonus as well. And I think Lise, Lise Mousse, we've we've already covered as well, is a, is a fantastic option. Uh, Jesus in the team now. Most shots for strikers were fine. All in the box as well, so yeah. I still think that there are definite returns. In- nice, yeah, some good options there. I agree with the Jesus one, definitely a potential cheap way into the city or cheaper way into the city lineup. Okay, let's have a look in our feedback box. DJ Newton has said superb pod, uh, and Luke did did BAU good job, Iceman. Translate. <laughs> Someone let us know, James. Do you know what BAU means? BAU. Yeah. I couldn't possibly say. <laughs> DJ, let us know. Uh, okay, anyway, I agree on tactic that if you have all main captains in the squad, you have safety blanket to play less popular players. Uh, the method I use frequently. James Jury's orb of faith is getting hilarious, but I wish him a whole unlikely up the pod. Very likely. 
Thank you. <laughs> Iceman, have we included this one so you can serve DJ a slice of humble pie? Yeah, Thanks for the feedback, though, DJ. Appreciate your questions, and thank you for your continued support. Uh, next week's guest is, is uh, JP Shaw, a journalist for the Daily Mirror that specialises in sports betting. Yeah, looking forward to having him on. Really nice man, do you still buy the paper? All the time, every week, is what I say. Very much so, yeah. Since the news of the world went under, I haven't really bothered. But, uh, yeah, looking forward to hearing what JP's got to say. Uh, no sexy thoughts this week. No words of wisdom for Brett, so you can look forward to that in the future. A couple of other questions. Outside of the two of you, obviously, who are the greatest Jameses in history? James Linden, let's come to you first. Greatest James in history? Uh, the one I was named after Tottenham's record goal scorer, Jimmy Griggs. Lovely. And I'm, I'm very hopeful if I can dive in. My son's called Harry. You might catch the theme there. Are <laughs> you a Spurs fan? Maybe. <laughs> uh, and mine would be James Blunt because it's just beautiful, <laughs> elegant music. <laughs> he really is beautiful. Uh, I'm going to say uh, Jimmy Olsen, Superman's best friend. So there we go. Our top three. M. Bison has asked, how did James and Sujan Shah meet? Where and after they get the stamina to pod 24 hours a day, seven days a week? This is a question that I want to ask as well. How do you do it, you mentalist? Uh, it's not quite true. We're putting out six pods a week at the moment. We have a, a shorter form pod. We 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 put out so we we put a, a vote to the Twitter community on a Monday. We focus on our clubs. Tottenham such is obviously passionate about West Ham on a Tuesday. We 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 felt there was a gap for Sky players to have a regular podcast. And so many of our followers are obviously in Britain and play the Sky game. We do that on a on a Wednesday. On Thursday we get two of our correspondents on ahead of uh, the weekend fiction on a Friday. We do a, a final preview of, of the game week, obviously along with, with our feature pod, which will normally go out on a, on a Monday night. We, we're incredibly lucky that we work essentially in the same office. So we quite often record at eight in the morning or 12 o'clock. We, we will, we'll skip lunch or straight after work. How do we get the stamina to keep going? We love it. Very impressive. Yeah, we barely manage a podcast a week, don't we, Iceman? That, that feels enough. That's too much. Well, once too much. Christ, okay. Right, well, on that note, that brings us to the end of the uh, the FPL Surgery podcast for this week. As usual, some ways to get in contact. So go to our website, fplsurgery.com, and join our mini-league. The code is CCCJK2. If you want to support the podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash FPL Surgery. So that's join the prize league and various other goodies the Iceman is dishing out at will. You can find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, Twitter and Reddit at FPL Surgery. And uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. And uh, for any other information, email us at info, sorry, info at rather FPLsurgery.com. I want to thank our guest, James, for joining us. Thank you once again. Thank you. And uh, Iceman, any any final words of wisdom as we head into the cold, cold December months and the busy game weeks? Lovely. All right, then. Uh, and so on that note, thanks for listening, and we look forward to joining you again with two game weeks to report on next week. Up the pod. Up the pod. Up the pod. Up the pod.
Um, do you know what I've just realised has happened? <sighs> I haven't been recording anything. I can't believe that this is the case. Uh-oh. Do you notice anything different? No. Yeah. Shit. Not, not too, no, not, it wasn't enough to make me think that's going to sound crap, but you do sound clearer now. Have you had your Bane mask on again whilst you've been uh, recording? Oh, I can't believe it's been coming out of the wrong microphone the whole pod. Oh, shite. Oh, dear. Um, right, I'm going to play uh, Alexis after. Oh, God, with great enthusiasm. <laughs> now I'm depressed because I don't know how it's going to sound. There will be two seconds and I'll play this. Alexa. Alexa, how did you do this week, Metal Mickey? A lot better than you, I hear, Mount Hatter. How was your hospital food? And wearing a gown with your ass on show. Grim. My week was slightly better. I capped in Vardy and finished on 65 points. Spurs are looking like a force again under Mourinho. Whilst Watford lose another game and another manager. Lol. My outside captain pick for this week is Sir Lundstrom. I feel it in my circuitry. Okay, that's me. Good luck this week, everyone. Although I can't leave without mentioning the hilarious 7 mil scoreline Mad Hatter had to suffer, whilst being probed and drip-fed, in a room full of barely alive, flatulent and complaining pensioners. Also, being this was a liver issue, enjoy the zero Jack Daniels over the festive period, toss pot. Ho ho ho. Yeah, that's gonna suck, giant. Balls. And that was... That was uh, <laughs> he, he actually, he's actually had to go into hospital because he's not allowed to drink over the uh, Christmas period. So. That's class, lads. Love that. Uh, right. Um, now I'm going to have to see if I can edit a bloody podcast recorded out the wrong fucking mic. Oh, dear. I can't believe that that's happened. <laughs>